Good morning, PCA. On your feet, it's time to worship our awesome God. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful that we can approach your throne. Thank you, Lord, with confidence. Hallelujah. Your love for me won't change Even when I hold back Even when I'm fighting You cover me with grace Even in my failure Even in the strife Treat me, how beautiful. 
Oh uh-huh. 
God is with me. Amen. I'm yours, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you that you're with us, God. We bless your name. When I'm in the roughest water, I won't go under, I won't drown. And when I'm in over my head, I know that you won't let me down. When I am broken and down to nothing, I know that you are always up to something good. Yes. I know that you are always up to something good. We bless your name, Lord. You'll make a way, whatever it takes. There's nothing your love won't endure. I know that you are always up to something good. surrounds me I won't fear when I am broken and down to nothing I know that you are always up to something good I know that you are always There's nothing your love won't endure. I know that 
Hallelujah, Lord. We hunger and thirst after you, God. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Holy water on my 
We thank you, Lord, because you turn our mourning into dancing. You clothe us with joy. We will sing your praises. We will not be silent. We will not be silent. I will praise you forever, God. You are worthy. I search the world, but it couldn't fill me. No, 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 no. A man's empty praise and treasures of faith are never enough. Then you came along. And you put me back together And every desire is now satisfied Here in your love Oh, there's nothing better than you There's nothing better than you, Lord
I thank you that you are at work in me. Lord, help us all to just open our hearts to you and let you have your way. Let you have free reign. Let you take us wherever you want to take us because that's the best, the best, the best. We bless you, Father. Have your way in this place. Thank you for who you are, for all that you've done, Lord. In Jesus' holy name, amen, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give him another shout. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Oh, sorry, I've been on vacation this week, and I am not thinking. This is time for us to greet. So stand back up. Sorry, fell asleep at the wheel. (laughs) Luckily, I didn't do that while we were driving. Um, So y'all, whoever wants to greet, get up and greet. And if you don't, you just stay in your seat, and don't go near the people who stay in their seats because they're social distancing, all right? All right. And when I'm in over my head, you won't let me down. And when I'm broken and down to nothing, 
know that you are always up to something good I know that you are always up to something good You'll make a way, whatever it takes There's nothing your love won't endure And I know that you are always up to something good Even through the deepest valleys, you go before me, you are here. For I know you'll never leave me, your love surrounds me, I won't fear. And when I'm broken and down to nothing, I know that you are always up to something good. know that you are always up to something good you'll make a way whatever it takes there's nothing your love won't endure i know that you are always up to something good you'll make a way whatever it takes there's nothing your love you are always up to something good. Hey, PCA family, we have so many things going on. We want to make sure you stay in touch with all of them. To be sure and stay connected, take a look at the following slides. PCA ladies, you don't want to miss Bunko Night. It's coming up on November the 16th from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. Child care is available, but you need to make sure and request before November the 15th. PCA family, it is Thanksgiving dinner time. We want to have a great Thanksgiving dinner. It's coming up on November the 17th at 6.30 p.m. Just a quick reminder and something that would really help us out is if you are bringing something to the Thanksgiving dinner, whether it be a ham or a turkey or a side dish or dessert, whatever it is, be sure and put it on our sign-up sheet out in the foyer. This helps us out a lot because that way we're not just guessing about Oh, I hope that they're bringing that kind of pie that they make, or I really hope they show somebody shows up with some bread. We we kind of need to know what you're bringing, so help us out with that, and we would sure appreciate it. And we can enjoy some great fellowship together and some amazing food. Can't wait to see you there. As you know, our Christmas play is coming up very quickly, and for this play, we're going to be needing some props that have to do with what you would see in a common marketplace in Israel back in the day. Be sure and get with Sandy, Kelly, and Karen and find out exactly what kind of items they're talking about. We don't want a whole like living room of stuff up here that we can't use. So anyway, if you could help us out with that, we would sure appreciate it. We have our Christmas Day dinner coming up and we need volunteers to help with this. This year it's going to be carry out only, which means we're going to have lots and lots of volunteers up here lined up cooking, getting it ready, preparing it, putting in things and delivering it. We know all those areas covered uh, because we want to make sure we do a really good job. So be sure and look in the foyer for a sign-up sheet for that and volunteer today. To find out more about the slides you just saw, be sure and visit PCAChurch.com. Thank you for coming and welcome home. You found a place to belong, to believe, and to become. Amen. 
If you didn't listen to any of those announcements, listen to this one. We're having our, our Christmas program, uh, One Bethlehem Morning, and we need lots and lots of extras. These are people that are just can walk. If you can walk and you can smile, I, I need you. We need crowd scenes, so please sign up in the foyer if you're willing to just walk around and smile. That would be great. That would be great. Well, now's the time to give our worship in, in giving in our offering. And I was thinking about what the Lord would have me to say. And I don't know if this was from the Lord, but we're, you're going to get it, whether it was or not. <laughs> Psalms 111.1 says, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. And Mark 12.30 says, Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So you get the message there. It's all. He wants all of us, and that includes our giving. And Pastor was watching football yesterday, and I noticed that the stands were full. How many of you guys watched football yesterday? Did your team win? Winners and losers. But I noticed how much everybody was excited, and they were screaming, and they were yelling. And I, I thought, how much did it cost for them to go there? A lot of money. You got gas, which is crazy expensive right now. You got food. You got to eat. There's the cost of the ticket. If you've got season tickets, that's cost you money too. So I was thinking how much it costs for them to go and worship in their auditorium. So how prepared do you think they were before they left to go? I bet they already knew pretty much where they were going to sit, where they were going to eat, what they were going to do. What they were going to see, they went prepared. And how many of you prepared this morning to come to church? God doesn't want our leftovers. He wants our first. It says so. So I thought I would treat you all today because Children's Church always gets great snacks and candy, and we get nothing in here. So I thought I would bring a snack for everybody. So I got, this is one of my favorites, a snowball. Anybody like these? I love them. There's even coffee now made out of snowballs. Anyway, I thought I would bring it, and I would share it. So, uh, Katrina, would you like? No, you don't. Okay. Well, I got something else. Don't worry. Don't worry. Wait, wait. Oh, I brought an Oreo cookie. Who loves Oreo cookies? Okay. Uh, I brought this one. Um, it's a firecracker Jolly Rancher. Who would like to have that? Get the point. I brought my leftovers for you guys to eat. I didn't bring my first. I didn't bring my best. I came prepared to give you my leftovers. And sometimes that's what we do with church. We bring them our leftovers. And when it comes to our offering, we dig in the bottom of our purse or in the bottom of our pocket to see what's left over to give him. He asked for our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole soul, our whole strength. And we want him to bless us the way that we give to him. Says so. Says so. So just something for you to think about. There's lots of ways that you can give this morning. You can give in the auditorium. You can give at the kiosk in the back, which takes credit cards. You can give online. 
you can give a text, um, you can give through the app, and there is a card in front of you that has all that information. I'm not going to rehearse it. People at home, I know you can see it behind me. Vis uh, guest, if you are a guest with us today, there's a card in front of you that has a place for you to fill out your information. But most importantly, there has a place for you to put a prayer request. And if you put down a prayer request, I promise you, I promise you, faith-filled believers are going to pray over that prayer request and touch the throne of God for you. So if nothing else, fill that out. Gentlemen, if you will come. So search your hearts and see if you've given him your all. And if not, rewrite that check or dig a little deeper and give him the first fruits because that's what he deserves. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house on your day, in, our, in your auditorium, that we can worship you. And Lord, we ask God that you would just bless this gift and all the givers. Father, give it back to them, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Give it back to them, Father, as they've given to you. And Lord, I pray that you would give a special anointing on our pastor this morning, a double portion. Prepare every heart, mind, and soul to receive your word, that you would do what only you can do in their hearts and minds and souls. And Father, we'll be so very careful to give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I have to say that snowball looked pretty inviting at first. Hi, I'm Jenny Veal, and um, I've been up here before, but this time I'm up here in a different capacity. This is um, regarding Operation Christmas Child's Christmas shoeboxes. And this is my first year to be the local drop-off coordinator for our area at our church. So I'm getting to do a lot of different things that I've never done for shoeboxes. I've usually been just a worker bee behind the scenes, which is a great place to be. Um, I want to, first of all, just tell you how thankful we are and how grateful we are because of all the people that have been involved in this year's shoeboxes. We have some amazing power shoppers in our church. A lot of them are impact girl leaders. It's some of the girls' moms. It's women in our church. They are on the lookout all year long for sales, for clearances, for bargains, anything on anything that we put in our shoeboxes. So it's a year-long shopping trip for them, which I, most of them love to shop, so that's great. Um, but the second thing is, and probably I should have done it first, our most generous donors, we are sending, we want to send 1,500 shoeboxes this year. And we right now have around 1,459 boxes finished. And uh, some people in our church have been so generous and have donated the full amount of our shipping. It is $9 per box. God is so good, and he will shower them with blessings. He will shower them with blessings because that is huge. That is so huge. Also, I want to thank everyone who helped us pack shoeboxes. All of our impact girls have been joining us on Fridays at um, the warehouse to pack shoeboxes, and I think some of them are pretty tired of packing shoeboxes, but it's always fun, at the beginning especially. We also, Pastor um, opened up the shoebox packing on Wednesday night to the entire congregation that came. And that was so fun and so amazing. And you guys packed so many boxes for us. And we really hope that we can do that again. It's a, a really neat thing. And it's, uh, it's a pleasure to fill those boxes with the things that these kids need. 
Um, Operation Christmas Child, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's a part, a part of um, Samaritan's Purse, um, a ministry for children, and it's for evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication. Is their three goals of this ministry. And Jesus knew full well that children probably are the best evangelists in the world. Their hearts are simple and pure and enthusiastic. And when they receive the gospel of Christ, they tell everybody. So this project, they pack shoeboxes. And in those shoeboxes, we put school supplies and personal hygiene items. And then we pack toys, a wow toy, something great big like a soccer boy for a, a soccer ball for a boy or a big fluffy uh, stuffed animal or a baby doll or a Barbie sometimes for the bigger girls. Um, plus some little toys and anything to fill up the spaces in our boxes. They get a t-shirt and a pair of socks and usually flip-flops. So we put useful things in them and we put fun things in them. These children, many of them have never ever received a gift in their whole lives. Ever. This is their first present from someone that they don't even know. And so a lot of these boxes have notes in them from families, from children, from individuals that tells them who they are and that they love them and that Jesus loves them. And they didn't know that there was somebody that they didn't know that could love them. On the outside of the box, there's always a little flyer that's um, the greatest gift. And it's a real simple presentation of the gospel. And the local church leaders, when the boxes are distributed to the children, the, the, local, the local church has volunteers and their leaders and pastors that present the gospel to the children in language that they can understand, their language, and as well as in a simple presentation that's at that child's age level. After that, if they um, choose, they offer the invitation to pray and invite Jesus into their heart, and then they offer them the opportunity to do a 12-week discipleship program. And it's called The Greatest Journey. And here's a copy of the book. And they have these books that you can get to use in your local churches and your Sunday schools. It's really excellent material. And they um, have a 12-week program. When they finish, they graduate, and they get a certificate, and they get a New Testament in their language. What's so cool about this is the testimonies that come, come out from that. I have one I want to share with you. It's um, from Fiji. And... And I'm just going to quickly read what it says. A, a pastor hosted an Operation Christmas Child Shoebox outreach event in a rural community that had no church. He then invited the children to attend the Greatest Journey follow-up discipleship program. As students gathered for the discipleship lessons, their parents grew cur curious and began attending too. The village elder became a believer and offered his property as a place for the new church to meet. Today, 80 people attend regularly, and five additional churches have been started in surrounding villages. From one shoebox to one child to a village to the surrounding area. What an evangelistic tool this is. Now, we have had some comments like, well, it says since 1993, 188 million children have been reached and received shoeboxes. Surely that all the children in the world have gotten shoeboxes. Well, if you think about it, there's over 300 million children in India alone. So 
there's still a lot of work to do, and there's a lot of unreached places. And Samaritan's Purse is constantly stretching out and reaching to the farthest ends of the world, trying to touch the lives of as many children as they can. For um, 2021, OCC's goal is to reach 9.7 million children. That's a lot. That's a lot of children. Um, as volunteers for OCC, we constantly are surfing the website, and we see all the neat videos and testimonies and clips, and, and I encourage all of you to get on there to see what they're doing. These children's lives are changed, and they're so amazing. Um, I wanted to share just one quick, one quick thing. The last thing that we do for our shoeboxes, actually we do it while we're doing our shoeboxes, but we pray over each box, and as we're filling it, we pray and ask God to, to direct us what to put in the box. Each box is God appoints it to go to a particular child, and it gets to that child. Um, and so as a church, next Sunday, we will have all of our shoeboxes that we finished up here at the front, and we will, as a church, the pastor will lead us in praying over our shoeboxes that we're going to send. Just so that you know that this is not just a made-up story. There's a little 14-year-old boy from Panama. He came to an outreach and got a shoebox. He worked in the fields and spent most of his days doing that. Inside of his box was a pair of expensive leather work gloves that could endure years of work in the fields. He was overjoyed to receive them. It was exactly what he needed. So what he got was not even a toy. He got a pair of leather gloves. Who would think to put a pair of leather gloves in a shoebox? And never mind that, how did that shoebox get to that boy? It was God. It was the hand of God. One that's our, one of our favorites that we heard last year was a little boy that got a box full of socks. When it came through the distribution center, everybody was like, well, we've got to take some of these socks out of here and put some toys in this. Uh, this isn't going to cut it. And that their rule is you do not remove anything from the box unless it's something that's, you know, not allowed. You can add to the box. So they said, no, you leave all those socks in there. You can stuff some little toys in there. When this little boy got his box, the people that were there reported back that he opened the lid and he started crying. And they thought, oh, no, he's disappointed. And he said, they said, we'll get you some toys. And he goes, no. He said, my feet are burned, and I ha can't wear my shoes, and I have to wear socks, and I asked God to send me socks. And look at all the socks that God sent me. So it is amazing. It boosts your spirit. It lifts your confidence in what the Lord does every day in everybody's lives. And I highly encourage you in some way, either pack your own box or come and join us. We're going to be receiving boxes all this week um, from this local area. And, it, and uh, we always like for people to come. The, the hours are out there, and there's a little sign-up sheet if you'd like to join us for an hour. It's just like everything. It's feast or famine. Sometimes we get 300 boxes in, and then we'll sit around for a while, and then we'll get another 50. But um, the fellowship is great while we're waiting. And usually Miss Rhonda has some, uh, an area set up where if you want to pack some shoe boxes when there's downtime, you can do that. Thank you for listening to me today. And... God bless you all, and thank you for everything that every one of you has done. Thank you so much, Miss Jenny. Let's give her a big hand. This is her first year to do it. She's doing a phenomenal job.
So last Wednesday night, um, we uh, did not have service in here. All, all of the people that came, we went and packed shoeboxes. And in one hour, we packed 500 shoeboxes in one hour. Isn't that awesome? Man, so much fun. Stand with me this morning. It's good to see your smiling faces. Turn to your neighbor, make sure they're smiling. There you go. Looks good. Amen. It is so good to see you today. Good to be in the house of God. And man, next Sunday we're going to pray over these boxes. It's amazing what God does with these boxes around the world. Around the world. Take your Bibles and lift it with me this morning. Repeat this after me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word is a light unto my path. Thy word will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Lord, help me every day to read thy word. And Lord, help me every day to live thy word. I love thy word. And dear Lord, help that preacher. Woo, help the preacher. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. It was so awesome last Wednesday night because um, we saw families filling shoeboxes together. And the kids are so particular about what they put in the boxes for other kids. And I was thinking, I don't know of too many of our American children that would be happy to get one box like this for Christmas. Our kids are so spoiled. They have more toys than they can play with. And so I'm telling all of you parents, this year, just get a cardboard box, some crayons, some markers, call it good. Because that's what they're going to play with after the presents are open. Amen? And then I told everybody during the, um, during the trunk and treat thing, kids do not need. It's terrible. You, you keep your kids away from the Reese's peanut butter cups and Snickers. Terrible for kids. Well, it's the month of November. And when I think about November, I always think about family, uh, food, and fun. Those three things. So I want to talk today about how to go from a house to a home. There's a difference between a house and a home. I drive around town a lot of times. I love looking at houses, don't you? But when I look at the houses, I wonder how many of these houses are homes? How many of these houses are filled with people who are happy? How many of these houses are filled with people who are thankful for what they have? And how many of these houses are just filled with Nothing but a house. So I want to talk about house to home today. So forget your past. Some of you are here today and you have a great heritage. And you have a wonderful home you grew up in. You live in a wonderful home today. Wonderful. That's awesome. Some of you may be here today and you go, Pastor, I don't have a good heritage. The home I grew up in was not very good. It was a house. Uh, my house is a house today. Well, guess what? Starting right now, everybody can turn their house into a home. If you have a home, you can make it better. But starting today, because the home, the family, is God's idea. God started this and structured it. Uh, and we find out that whatever is happening in the home is going to be happening in the church. They've always been saying that if you want a strong church, build strong families, build strong homes, and you'll have a strong church. If you have weak homes, you'll have a weak church. And I want our church to be great. I want you to have a great family. I want you to have a great home. 
to live in. Genesis 2.18. You got to go to the beginning. The Lord said it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It's not good for anybody to be alone. God structured us to be together. To fellowship one with another. To have family and to live in a home. Have people who care about us. Um, when you think of a home, here's some of the things I think of. For some of you today, you think about mom's cooking, right? Ah, mom. How many of your moms were a good cook? How many of your moms was a terrible cook? Just admit it. For some of you, it's the smell of home. You walk in, ah, smells like home. You got hugs, warmth. For others of you, you think about your house and you think about yelling, screaming. You think about being drunk, drugs, fights, hitting. You see, we need homes today. Homes. So home is what? Well, for me, it's a home, a place of safety, security, acceptance. It's where I can go to, walk in, close the door and go, I'm home. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to put on a smile. I can just be at home. And it's a place of security and safety and acceptance. Life is not fair. Some of you grew up in awesome homes. Some of you grew up in terrible houses. Life's not fair. You don't get to choose where you start out. But today you get to choose what kind of place you're going to live in from this day forward. You get to make a choice. What am I going to do to turn my house into a home? And in life we all have kinds of adversities, all types. Emotional, financial, physical. And we need a home to come home to. We've got to have that home. Where we walk in and we go, it's a safe place here. Home is a place where there's constants. I love home. It's constant. We've moved to a lot of different houses, but our home has never changed. We, we're at home wherever we're at. And home has constants. How many of you have a constant place at the table, a chair that's just yours? Wait a minute. We don't do dinner tables anymore, do we? We sit in front of the TV and eat a... No, we got we to get back to having a home. At home, dad's got a chair, mom's got a chair, kids have chairs, and you don't get in somebody else's chair. It's kind of like that in church. Church is a family, right? This is our home. And you have your place. You sit. And when somebody comes and gets you in your place, you're like, what? Don't you know that's my seat? That's where I sit every Sunday. And if you sit somewhere different, it's not the same. It's like, nah, it doesn't feel right. doesn't look right. I don't like looking at pastor from this angle or that angle. I like looking straight on. and just, It's just not right. Because we have all these constants. That's home. In life, it's always changing. Always changing. You have these, these steps of life. You, you're born, then you're growing up. And then you move into a dating phase. Then you move into a marriage phase. Then you move into a phase of kids. Then you have financial phases and buying homes, making homes out of houses. And then you have the getting old phase and the empty nest and all those things, all those phases. Life is constant change, but home should always be the same. Home should be this place to where you can go to and you're always accepted, you're always loved, it's safe, it's secure. And home is where you go when you have failure, right? Things in life, you go wrong, you have failure, you go home. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other one up. 
But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Yeah. That's what family does. That's what a home is. It's a place where when you fail, you fall, there's somebody in your family, somebody at home that'll help pick you up. That'll, that'll hug you and hold you and, and say it's okay. He'll accept you and, and not judge you. In, in this game of baseball, uh, home is the goal, right? You want to get home. Safe. Home. Yeah. That's what we want today in our lives. We want to get home and know that it's a safe place. Some of you have great marriages. Some of you struggle at times. You need two people to walk this life together. If you're by yourself, it's hard if you fall, right? That's why you need family. You need a brother, a sister, a mom, and a dad. Maybe it's in the church. Maybe you need a, a friend at church, a family member at church. You know, the wonderful thing about family is at church it's like we're adopted, right? We're adopted sons and daughters of God. And I love that, that we're adopted. But then the Bible says we're also blood-related, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we're all blood brothers. So it's the only family where you're adopted and you're a blood relative at the same time. Families. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We need each other. If you're a widow, divorced, single, whatever, you need the church family. To, you need this to be your safe place. You walk in, you take a deep breath on Sunday morning. I'm home. No one's going to judge me here. No one's gonna, nobody's going to be critical. And if I fail, guess what? Somebody's going to be there to help me and hold me and pick me up and give me a hug and give me a smile and tell me everything's going to be all right. So I've got some homework for you today. Some work to make your house a home. There's a huge difference. Number one, love now. Love now. And I find a lot of guys, Pastor, uh, well, I love them. No, no, no. Men and women, love now. Kids, love now. I mean, if mom cooks a meal, mom, it was awesome. Guess what mama do more? Cook more. Man, my, my grandson has my wife right there. He said he loves her blackberry cobbler. So guess what she makes every time they come? Blackberry cobbler, but... He doesn't like it with too much dough in it. I love the dough. So guess what she makes now? Blackberry pie with just the crust. Where's the dough? Well, Trip doesn't want the dough. But I do. It's not for you. But she made me a blueberry peach cobbler with lots of dough. And that's, I'm going to talk about this home thing here. It's going to, we're going to make a lot of dough this morning. You ready? You know what the number one regret with most people in their lives? They don't tell the people they love they love them. And they don't show it and they don't share it. And I'm telling you, if you want a home, the first thing you got to fill it with is love. I mean love, love, love. Tell mom you love her. Tell dad you love him. Yeah. Yeah, go get him out of the recliner when he's asleep watching the football game snoring. Wake him up. Dad, I love you. What? Yeah. He may have a heart attack, so be ready on 911. Love. Love. And men and women, listen to me. Date your wife. Date your husband. But pastor, we're married. We don't need to date anymore. Well, you're going to be single. If you don't watch out, because what it took to get her, what it took to get him, 
It takes that to keep her or to keep him. I tell couples all the time, at least once a month, go on a date. Get dressed up, cleaned up, brush your teeth, shave, deodorant, cologne, the whole nine yards. Make a date with your spouse. Well, pastor, that's not important. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because when you get to that phase of empty nest, guess what most of the time happens? Divorce. Because all of a sudden the man looks at his wife and goes, who are you? And she goes, I don't know, who are you? And they don't even like each other anymore. Come on. You got to date. You got to get that, get that spark and get it on fire all the time. Well, pastor, that's kind of gross. <laughs> Good. Well, well, pastor, my, my kids don't like it when we leave them. They start crying. Guess what? They're going to cry more when you get a divorce. Come on. I'm just trying to preach homework here. You got to go on dates. You got to make her and him a, 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 a the, the prime thing in your relationship. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. We've gone on dates to Sonic. I could make Sonic romantic. I took. <laughs> Woo! Man. I can take her to, to Burger King or whatever. Tell her, supersize it. Whatever you want, baby. On the menu, you order anything you want. Go crazy. You have to do this. Why? Because home is a shelter from the storm, not the center of the storm. And kids need to see their parents loving all over each other. Gross them out. Kiss in front of them. Hug in front of them. Tell them you love each other in front of your kids so your kids know what a relationship should be like when they go to find a spouse. I, I want my kids to know, hey, my husband, my wife, we're supposed to be like this because mom and dad grossed us out. That's your job, mom and dad. Gross out your kids. That's a good home. Psalm 144.12 says this, Then our sons in their youth will be like well-nurtured plants. Our daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. When the home is filled with love, we are training up our children on how to leave the house. We're training them up on how to live in this world. Ephesians 6, 4 says this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training, instruction of the Lord. We've got to take our homes and train our children. Shape them. Train them means like when you plant a tree, you put the ropes off of it. So you train them how to grow straight, how to look up, how to live a life. That's God life. We've got to train our kids I remember someone saying, I don't know who said it, I'm not taking credit for it, but someone said there's three phases in a child's life. Parent control, self-control, God control. We've got to get them through all three phases, mom and dad, before they leave the house. We're to train our kids. Kids are to submit to the parents. Parents submit to God. So here's God's family plan. God is the owner of this business. You got a business, right? God's the owner of your business. Mom and dad are the presidents of the business. Kids are the employees. Employees. The problem in the house is the kids are doing a hostile takeover of the business. The kids now have the corner office and the parents are running their lives around trying to do everything. The kids are telling them they should be doing for them. Stop this. You're the parent. You submit to God, kids submit to parents. 
had people tell me for years, Pastor, uh, family's all about the kids. Wrong. Family's all about the marriage. The marriage. The problem is we, we first become husband and wife. We have a great role. I'm a husband. She's the wife. We've gone past the dating phase. But then we have children. Now I'm a dad and a husband, a mom and a wife. The problem with this is a lot of times the husband resigns the role as the husband and just takes on the dad role. And he chases after a career and works so hard because I want to leave my kids better off than I was when I was growing up. Well, you forgot about being a husband. Moms over here, they resign being a wife and go to being a mom and they're running after kids, running after career, doing all that. And she has totally resigned her position as a wife. No, no. The most important role you have, mom, is you are a wife. Dad, you are a husband. That's more important than being a mom and a dad. Because one day the kids are going to be gone and you're still going to be a mom and a dad. Where's the kids? Where's your marriage? The marriage is the most important thing. We're having marriages destroyed today by over 60% in Christian homes. Why? Hostile takeovers. Kids are getting placed in the wrong positions. Home is where you get trained. You train those kids in the admonition of God. And here's what they learn at home. They learn how to relate to other people. Mom and dad, you teach them how to relate to other people. They, they relate to you. They relate to their siblings. And you teach them how to relate and have situation, solving problems, conflict management, all those things, time management, all those things. You, you teach them how to work together. Home is where you build character, integrity, honesty, truth, all those things. You develop concepts about life and about God at home. I do agree. Teachers in the schools should not be teaching our kids moralities. Our parents need to teach our kids moralities. So mom and dad, you've got homework to do. You've got to teach your kids. The problem is they learn more from what we do than what we say. They're very observant, these little things. I've always told people, if, if I want to know something about you, give me Sunday afternoon with your kids and I will find out everything. Uh, we don't pray before we eat. Oh, okay. My mom and dad yell a lot. Okay. Sometimes they say bad words. Oh, okay. They even talk about you, Pastor, during lunch. What? <laughs> so does my family. Every time I say something wrong when I'm preaching, when I get home for lunch, I hear it. I had David in the lion's den a few weeks ago, and on and on and on. But home is where you teach the value of money. You teach them the value of hard work. You teach them the value of having chores. Come on, parents, you already pay them room, shelter, food. Don't come on. And you teach them about God at home. I've had parents, parents tell me, well, I'm going to let my kids decide if they want to go to church or not. Big. No. Do you let your kids decide if they're going to take a bath or not? I'm going to let you decide if you're going to brush your teeth or... Comb your hair? No, get in there and take a bath. Brush your teeth. When it comes to the most important thing in their life, you're going to let a child whose brain does not develop to the mid-20s to tell you whether or not they're coming to church? Come on. You drag them to church. 
kicking, screaming, biting, fighting, whatever you need to do. You're the parent. Bring them to church, and then when you get to church, show them how to have church. Mom and dads, we have kids in children's church. I wish sometimes they'd be back in here. The whole, I need moms and dads showing kids how to worship. I need moms and dads showing kids how to go to the altar and how to get on your knees before God and how to pray. That's what we need. So do it at home. Well, I can't play anything. You know, acapella's awesome. I love acapella, don't you? Sing, worship, pray, read the Bible at home. Get on your knees, hold your kid's hand. Pray for your kids. Let them hear you praying for them. God, I know there are only three, but God, you've got a mate out there for them. You've got a young boy or a young girl, whatever it may be. And God, right now, you can prepare them to meet my child when it comes the right time. God, I want them to have a godly spouse. I want them to have a godly home. I don't want them to live in a house. You've got to let parents be the parents. God is not an option. Our kids need God. Just like you and I do. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 says this. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. It says this. Impress them upon your children. You know why it says that? Because kids do not naturally just want to be disciplined. They don't naturally want structure. So you have to impress these things upon them. Talk about them when you're sitting at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Parents. We unintentionally teach our kids the wrong values. They don't see you reading the Bible. They don't see you praying. They don't see you worshiping. And you've got to let them see these things. Home is a place to play. That's what a home is. It's a place to have fun. To relax. Enjoy your family. Enjoy them. Mom and dad, you're not drill sergeants. Don't need to raise your voice at your kids. You should be able to speak and your kids understand you mean business. You don't have to yell and scream and holler just to get them to eat one more spoonful. I saw this commercial that I was blown away by. I'm not going to tell you the product. But there's a family around a table and they're eating dinner and the little girl doesn't like it. Mom fixed something she doesn't like. So she crosses her arms. Well, I guess I'll just stay here all night. And I'm thinking the mom should go awesome. In the commercial. But no, the mom fixes something, a product, and then everybody's smiling happy. And then the little girl's happy. I'm like, how many of you grew up telling mom what the menu for dinner ought to be? <laughs> Not me. I grew up, mom, you ate whatever she put on the plate, ate all of it, and then you ate. Uh, you just didn't have a menu. You, you ate. And now today the kids are having a hostile takeover. My mom and dad never asked me what I wanted to eat once. Not once in my life. And you know what? I survived it. I lived through it. Today, moms and dads, we've got to take control of our houses and turn them back into homes. Have fun with your family. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says this, Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. Last night we had Nerf gun wars with our grandkids. Oh my Lord, I love it. Put on the safety glasses. We wore safety glasses for all of you that are concerned. But then, man, when they come, when you get a shot, you pelt them, man. You get them, go. Teach them life is not fair. They got to learn it soon. Man, it's, it's an awesome way for parents to get out of aggression, too. It's fun shooting kids with Nerf guns 
I know somebody's going to get that part, cut it right there, and then it'll be on social media. Celebrate your family. Have fun with your family. 1 Corinthians 16, 15 says, You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. Isn't that awesome? Uh, Stephanus, he got his whole family involved in serving God. Wonderful. That's what happened Wednesday night with all the boxes. Parents were showing their kids, here's how to do it. Kids are getting excited. When they grew up, they go, I remember when I was a kid, we filled up shoeboxes for other kids around the world who have never gotten a gift, never gotten a toy, but we sent them something. I want to do something for somebody else. We've got to get the focus off of us and our kids and get our kids focused on somebody else around this world. Romans 12, 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Hospitality. Invite somebody to your house. It's a wonderful thing. We used to have that growing up. That's all we did. Go to other people's houses and eat food and play and have fun. Today with this pandemic, we've gotten so used to being by ourselves. We're like, this is kind of nice, you know. Not having anybody over. Don't have to really clean the house that well. Sit here, goof off. It's, no, we got to get back into the habit of hospitalities. Get back to the place to where we're showing People, the love of God. We're, we're reaching out. Our kids get involved. We get involved. I'll tell you what, if you want to get involved in something coming up, come to the Christmas dinner. This year, Christmas, December the 25th, be here. We're going to serve about 2,500 people, take out meals. Come and be a part of it. Get your kids on Christmas Day. Come and help them serve up meals. Let them know somebody in the world's hungry. You have a gift of hospitality. Serve somebody. The Bible says that we're, what we're given, we're given to the next generation. Man, in, in a few years, this next generation, we're all going to be sitting in nursing homes or dead, and they're going to come up here, and what are they going to be preaching? What kind of truth are they going to be telling? What are we handing off to that baton to the next generation? Are we handing off self-centeredness and selfishness? Are we handing off God is great and God is awesome and God rules my life and God directs my footsteps and I submit to God's authority because I submitted to my parents' authority. My parents submitted to God. This is how this works in life. This is God's structure for my life. Are we going to find the total rebellion in the church? Where people don't respect any authority anymore. Man, when I was growing up, we had everybody in the church called brother and sister. Remember that? Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. Call everybody brother and sister because we're family. But also in the church at any time, any other adult could wear me out and it wasn't my parent. Then my parents would thank them. Yeah. I thought, I thought, man, I'm going to get them in trouble. I'm going to go tell on them to my parents. And my parents go, sister so-and-so did what? Good for her. Now let me take it up a second notch. Yeah. You deserve more than that. And nowadays, boy, don't, don't, we can't go there because we have a whole different set of things. But you know what? The home still has characteristics. It's the same biblical truths that have always been. We've got to have this love that's unconditional. Where you have failure, people love. you got to show love in your family, show love to your spouse, show love to your kids. You've got to have this acceptance and security and safety. That's a home. So today, if I were to ask your kids, hey, what's it like living in your home? They say, well, got drill sergeants for parents. Um, Mom and dad are always fighting and fussing. They're always yelling, screaming, hitting, all these things. 
Dad never does anything with us. Mom never does anything with us. All those things. I got out yesterday and played football in the front yard. We had so much fun. Oh, my goodness. I laughed my head off. I want my grandkids, I want my kids to say, Dad and Mom played with them. Dad and Mom loved us unconditionally. Mom and Dad showed us what it meant to love each other and to love God. And that's intentional. It has to be intentional. It doesn't just happen accidentally. What happens unintentionally is we show our kids the wrong values in life. And the church should be a reflection of our homes. In this place, we've got to have a place of love. We have it on our sign outside. There's a lot of love in this house. Yeah. We've got to make sure there is a lot of love. Because we've got a lot of people today who are single, who are widowed, who are divorced, who need to walk in and feel acceptance and love. Who need to walk in and go, I may not have a family in my home, but I've got a home. And now I have a church home. I have a church home where I can walk in and I feel loved. I feel acceptance. I feel secure in this place. And I can share the, the most intimate feelings of my heart and no one's going to judge me. No one's going to condemn me. Because the last time I checked, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The last time I checked, we've all received the grace and the mercy of God. The mercies every day, we need them in our lives. And so we need to reach out to every person. Everyone that walks in these doors, we've got to love on them. Because in this world, there's not a lot of love going on. In this world, there's a lot of just debauchery, things I thought would never see and hear, questions my grandkids are going to have to ask other uh, people that I would have never had to ask myself or my kids would never have to ask. We need the church to be a reflection of home. We need our homes to be a reflection of God's presence. When we have kids come into our houses, our friends, kids, they need to see and feel and hear something different. Wow, there's not a lot of yelling in your house. No? There, there's not a lot of this and that. No? Because you've turned your house to a home. Yeah. House to a home. I want us to be at home this Thanksgiving. And today, if you came in this place and you've been living in a house, that's fine. But from this day forward, let's do some home work. If you're single, divorced, whatever, you can go home and you can say, Hey, kids, things are changing as of today. Hug on those kids. Love on those kids. Catch them doing something right instead of something wrong. And if you're, you're married today, go home. And number one thing, man, reignite that fire in your marriage. Reignite that. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money, I'm telling you. I mean, just go to, just go to Walmart and get a $5 little bouquet of flowers and bring them home unexpectedly. Just do something to say, hey, I love you. I love you. Enjoy your life with your wife whom you love. Man, I, I hope today that you'll, you'll look at your marriage, look at your home and say, we, we can do some things. We're going to make this different. We're going to make this better. Because we are adopted and yet blood relatives. Wow. I think that's awesome, don't you? A home. 
A home is a place where you have a place at the table. Yeah. My dad always sat at the head of the table. My mom sat on one side. I sat on the other. It was just three of us most of my life. In Sandy's life, there was a bunch of kids. I remember when we got married, we bought a chicken. I cut it up and cooked it. And she goes, what part is that? I said, that's the breast. She goes, I thought a chicken only had a wing. Because <laughs> growing up in her family, that's all she ever got was the wing. So a bunch of kids. Yeah, you get the wing. Smallest one in the bunch, you get the smallest piece of chicken. There's a wing. She had no idea there was a pulley bone. That's my favorite part right there, pulley bone. Yeah. A what? Are you serious right now? <laughs> Go buy a thing at the, called a whole chicken. Wishbone? No, it's a pulley bone because you pull it. It's a pulley bone. You eat it, then you pull it. You make a wish, pull it. It's a pulley bone. Oh, hallelujah. I, I, I thought that would be the easiest part of the message right there. See, that's what home's all about. You have traditions. You have things you call things in your house that turn it into a home. We have things in our home that are special to us. And you have those things that are special. Traditions and things you hold on to and, and things that whenever you have a smell or something like that, it reminds you of home. Yeah. And the problem is we don't show enough love today. Love now. Love now. Yesterday I made poppy burgers, which is my favorite best thing to make for my family, hamburgers that are called poppy burgers. My daughter was eating one of them, and she said, oh, Dad, I tried to make them like you. I just can't make them like you. And I, I didn't want to tell her, but it's just love. <laughs> she said, I, I'm, I'm eating this, but I don't know how many more years I'm going to get to eat this. I'm like, well, you're already preparing for my death? <laughs> I'm like, I don't hope I'm not ready to kick over here, but I feel good. I said, well, I hope that's another 30 or 40 years from now. She looked at me like, really? In my mind, I hope I got another 30 or 40 years in me. But um, some of you today, you, you, you regret not getting that recipe from mom. Remember that one thing mom made, and you don't know how she made it, but she made it, or maybe dad made it, and you didn't get the recipe. Why? Because they're always going to be here. And that's the problem that we have in our lives. We think people are always going to be there and then one day they're not. Either through divorce, through death, whatever it may be. And then they're gone. And then you stop and think, I should have told them I love them more. Yeah. I don't want any of you to have that regret from this day forward. You may have things in your past, that's fine. But I'm talking about today. Start line of demarcation. Today, the effort to turn my house to a home. And if you already have a home, kick it up another notch. Instead of one date night a month, do two date nights a month. Because family's about the marriage. If the marriage is on fire, the family will feel the warmth of it. If the marriage is cold, the family's going to feel the coldness in the house. Stand with me today.
house to home. Today has been more of an instructional message. The Word of God says we're to be not only hearers, but doers of the Word. So I'm going to give you homework to go home with today. Moms and dads, listen to me. Let me look at everybody here. Moms and dads, I want to get your attention. Moms and dads, before December 1st, go on a date with your spouse. Before December the 1st. I'm getting you past Thanksgiving, so don't use that as an excuse. Don't wait till 11.59 on November the 30th. I want you to plan it. Get cleaned up. Tell your wife or your husband in advance, Thursday night, honey, got babysitter. We're going on a date, just me and you. Oh, play practice, never mind. Friday night. There's always something. That's why we don't do it. Friday night. Maybe you don't go to the football game. Maybe go on a date. Just find somewhere you and your spouse can go and be husband and wife. Not mom and dad. Not bottle washer and vacuum cleaner and all that stuff. Your job. No. Just go and talk. Say, how are you doing? What's going on? If you're empty nesters, you really don't have an excuse. Go for it. We celebrate empty nest. Man, I love it. I love it. People say, you aren't supposed to be so excited about it. I love it. And I don't want them coming back. I did my part. I got them out of my house. Stay away. Come and visit, leave. A man shall leave his parents' house and go with his wife. It's biblical. I'm, I'm having fun a little bit, but I want you to get this. Moms and dads, listen to me. What it takes to get them, it takes that to keep them. And if we work on our marriages, our house turns into a home. If we show that love, we'll show it to our spouse, then we'll show it to our children. And I want to tell you, our children are hungry for love. They're not hungry for toys. They're not hungry for things. They're hungry for love. 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 If you're able to, I want you to grab the hand of your spouse. If you're single or, or you're widowed or divorced, I, I want you to just find somebody else that may be single and hold their hand. Miss Sandy, would you come and join me? As, a, as, our, as our marriage goes, so goes the church. As our home goes, so goes the church. We can have peace in our marriage and peace in this church or we can be at odds with each other. Listen, there's so many times she's wrong. So many times I'm right. We've, we've got to work on it. It takes work all the time. 
When your husband says a lot of words in church, it takes a lot of work. But it's worth it. Amen. It's worth the work. The benefits are out of this world. And your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids, you pass it from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. So today I want to pray over everybody in this building. Husbands, wives, if you're single, widowed, divorced, this is your family. This is your home. We are your blood brothers and sisters. Matter of fact, Miss Sandy, would you come down? If you are widowed, single, or divorced, you're standing by yourself, just come and stand with me and Sandy. We're going to hold your hand. I don't want anybody to be without holding hands with somebody. Miss Katrina, go up there with Drake, I guess. She's up there. Whatever. Come on. Come on. Come on, is there anybody else? If I've got somebody. Father, right now, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I pray today, speak to every mom, every dad in this place. Lord, if there are people here today that are in the dating phase, God, help them to understand your structure of dating. God, we're to get dating, then marriage, and children. That's your structure. Lord, I pray today, Lord, if there are those in this house and the marriages are struggling, God, I pray today, Lord, help them to bring peace into that home and love into that home. And Lord, let these marriages get back on fire. Lord, I pray today if the kids have taken over the corner office and there's been a hostile takeover in families, that the parents will get the kids back in their rightful position. That parents submit to God and kids submit to parents. I pray today, God, for all of the families that are here today, that, Lord, that your love would be the greatest thing in their life. That, God, they would show their children how to pray and how to read the Word of God and how to worship. God, today they would show their children how to love you and they would not be the cool parents and say, I'm letting you decide, but they'd be those parents who love their kids and if they have to, drag them to church to, to give them the structure of God in their life. To go from parent control to self-control to God-controlled. God, I pray. I pray today, God, that we have a structure in our homes today that, that Lord, has you as the primary owner of all of our homes. That, God, that we are trying to fulfill your family business plan. I pray today, God, for all of those kids today who need good parents. God, today, let these parents start today say, I'm going to be the best parent I've ever been in my life. Pastor, today, your word challenged me. The word of God challenged me today. I've got to turn my house into a home. I want my kids to grow up under the admonition of God. I didn't have that luxury growing up. I didn't have an example in my life. But today, I have an example. And today, I'm going to go home. And I'm going to let my kids know we're changing our house to a home. God, I pray right now for all these uh, ladies here today who are single, divorced, or widowed today. God, Lord, you be their helpmate. Hallelujah. And Lord, let them know that this is, this is their family right now, right here in this church. And we're going to hold their hands and we're going to hug them up and we're going to love them and we're going to help them go through life. If they fall, we're going to be there to pick them up. This is a place of acceptance and love and, and there's no failures that cannot be solved. And I pray today, God, they feel that and they know that beyond all doubt. This is my home right here. This is God's home. And I pray today, God, 
That God, as we go through this Thanksgiving season, that God, that all of our families will grow closer together. Lord, I, I, I right now just bind the enemy of any kind of division, of any kind of heartaches, of any kind of drama in families right now. Lord, we just bind that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And we release the spirit of unity and peace and joy and thankfulness. God, today let us be thankful for the homes that we have. I give you all the praise, I give you all the honor, and I give you all the glory. Amen and amen. Whoever's hand you're holding, give them a hug and tell them you love them. I love you, sweetheart. I love you, too. Thank you. I love you. Amen. Go home, get to work, house to home. God bless you. I love you, PCA. Hey, this Wednesday night, thanks. We sure hope you were blessed by Pastor Bardwell's message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.